Neon Ballroom is the third studio album by Australian alternative rock band Silverchair, released in 1999. Uh, tracks Anthem for the Year 2000 and a song Open Fire, Miss You Love, uh, Paint and Paint Pastel Princess were released as singles and a short film was released for the song Emotion Sickness. Uh, Neon Ballroom debuted at number one on the Australian album charts, peaked at number 50 on the US Billboard chart. That's no good. The album was nominated for 10 ARIA awards and was certified triple platinum by the ARIA for selling over 210,000 copies in Australia. I feel like this bombed around the world, but did okay in Australia. The album has been described as heavy rock with orchestral flushes flourishes and synthetic touches with powerfully emotional lyrics that reflect the personal demons of frontman Daniel Johns due to the band's rapid international success. In 99, Johns announced that he had developed the eating disorder anorexia nervosa due to anxiety. Johns noted that the lyrics to Anna's song dealt with this disorder. He revealed his eating problems developed from the time of Freak Show and when Neon Ballroom was written, he hated music, really everything about it, but felt that he couldn't stop doing it. I felt like a slave to it. John sought therapy and medication, but felt it's easier for me to express it through music and lyrics. Uh, they, he, they approached this album differently. He wrote 112 poems, made a collage of the poems and turned the words that meant the most to him into songs. And he wrote the music around the words rather than the other way around. Um, Ben Giles said uh, in a year off, turned into, he, he turned into a hermit and he didn't see him that much when he was talking about John's. Uh, I didn't really think about the writing. I was just thinking about having a good time. I did have a hand in two songs, though, Spawn Again for the Spawn soundtrack and Trash, which is a heavy, punky one, and it didn't make the album. Uh, he's trying to try and be more involved in the writing on the next album, which, no, he wasn't involved in the writing on the next album. Uh, electric Music Online gave the score, gave the album 91%. And a positive review. Um, uh, yada, yada, yada. All right. What did you think? Me? Is it my turn? Yeah. Did I talk a long time? That's quite all right. There's a lot of wiki. Um, yeah. Neil Borum, man. I dig it. 99. Anything that came out in 99. It's amazing. Every album we choose came out from 1999. Give me a nine and nine. Yeah, man. I, I, uh, this is one of the five I took to Europe. You know how I, when we did Pearl Jam's verses, that was one of the five I took with me CDs back in the day. This is one of them. Uh, Hit me in my last year of high school. So loving it. It was like this album and Chili Peppers, Californication. It's great stuff. Great stuff. This is one of your special albums you really, really love? or This, yep, absolutely. I put this on anytime and dig it. And as I get older, some of it gets a bit super cheese, like Anthem for the Year 2000. 
is a tough listen now, but I guess it always was kind of cheesy. Um, but no, full of full of great tracks. Uh, Emotion sickness is genius. Come on, you have to admit it's a good track. Am I talking? Um, <sighs> the the opening song, <laughs> Daniel. The opening song. Well, it's a good opener. The way I feel about this album is it starts off okay. I'm listening. Anthem for the year 2000. Okay, I'm listening. I, I think I enjoyed it a lot more when it first came out, but sunny all right now. It's good. It's good. And then progressively from there, each song just gets worse and worse till the end. Mm. I'll give you that. a good time. <laughs> i give you that. Like, it definitely... Like, even at the time when it came out, I put it on and that opening track's a banger. I think it does sort of set the stage for emotional post-grunge late teen, you know, dude. Um, but, yeah, it runs out of steam. It's like they had, here's all our, here's our strongest tracks. Let's cram them at the front of the album. And then we need a bunch of filler and old songs we wrote years ago to pad it out. I mean, there's still like... I think it was all written for the album. Ah, uh, no, I think like there's a couple of old nothing. ones. What's yeah, that? like that, that Spawn Again song, they wrote that in 96 or something, so that was three years old. And there was another one that was rewritten, um, uh, something about his spine. I can't remember the name of the track now. Do you feel the same anyway is what he keeps singing. Oh, no. yeah. Yeah, it's because like, you feel the same. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, pretty repetitive. There was an older one as well. Um, but when I feel you get like... to the end, end of the album and he goes, Steam will rise, Steam mm-hmm. will rise, Steam will rise, <laughs> Steam. I'm just, God damn it. <laughs> yeah, he's gone. But I mean, like, you know, if we, if we jump away from this album and we go to Silverchair when they started, you know, Tomorrow and Frog Stomp and all that sort of stuff, I remember picking on anybody at high school that was listening to it. I was like, what are you doing? They're like, they're our age, you know, 14-year-olds, they suck, blah, 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 blah. And then it was, you know, maybe a year later or two years later, I was like, damn it, this, this is a catchy song. You know, they put out some other single, Shade or whatever, and then I slowly got into the album. Damn it, I'm one of those guys, you know, I hated on it, now I'm getting into it. And then they put out their... um. The second album, Freak Show, and I really liked that one too. I was like, oh, this is some, you know, it was kind of like heavy rock or grunge, but it was dudes my age. It wasn't, wasn't, you know, the Cobains were older than me, you know, and so I was like, oh, this is a guy who's, who's writing the same age as me. He's writing music. I like music. He's writing music that I like about things that I like. Oh, he's angry too. I'm angry too. And so I liked it. And it was, you know, I knew, I knew it wasn't like, wasn't the Beatles or the Stones or anything, but it was good. And it was, you'd almost call it local because it's Australia. 
And then Neon Ballroom came out, 99. It was good. You know, I liked it. I remember the anthem for the year 2000 coming out as the first, as the lead single, and I thought, oh, it's not as good as the freak show because <laughs> it was kind of one of those, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was made to play in a stadium and everybody stomping their feet and we are the youth. I was like, <laughs> but then the additional singles like Anna's song, I still dig that. Anytime it comes on the radio or it comes on in my shuffle, um, that song's playing through. I like that song. Go, Dan. Um, they were a wonderful Cinderella story. I, I bought the first two albums. Um, mm. I really loved Israel's Son on their first album. It's a great song. Yep. I used to crank that all the time. Yeah, and, and I thought, uh, oh, what was the big hit that set them off? Um, tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. yeah. I liked it. It was pretty good. It was a good song. It didn't really drive me wild, but I did like the album. I like the first two albums. Um, people who don't know, they were like 14 years old. They won a record deal and had this huge success. And they were touring with Soundgarden and things like that, weren't they? When they were just 14. Mm. Big yep. tours. It was a great story. Yep. It was it's the Cinderella story. It was like, wow, when you're a young musician and you hear mm. these 14-year-olds got this record deal and they're like doing it, it was amazing. Really yep. happy for them. Um, oh, they did They did big shows, man. They went around Europe and did all the music festivals and stuff off that first yeah. album, and it was, you know, big big bucks too. It sold millions of copies all off, like, I think they entered a, a radio competition with Tomorrow, their demo version, and they won the right to record it, and then it got released as a single, and then away it went. And to yeah. be 14 and do that, that's pretty epic. Yeah. And then... So I was into it, and then I remember, I think the first thing I saw was Anna's song on TV from this album. Mm. And I remember watching the video and thinking to myself, this band's done. (laughs) 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 I was like, that song did not work for me. Mm. Um, It felt like the lyrics didn't fit into, you know, the syllables didn't fit into the lines. The musical lines mm. and it was rushing words. I hear that all over the place on this album. Um, things like op- open fire on the needs desire. Um, mm. You have needs and wants. Y- you need shelter and food. You would want a vacation, you know, and these open fire, the needs. To- so your need has a want. I don't mm-hmm. understand what you're talking about, you know. <laughs> Hey, and it's, and it's things it's, like it's deep. every line rhymes. Like I'm surprised he said this is a collage of poems, because like, it's it, every lyric feels like it ends. It rhymes at the end of every line, like home, alone, phone. And when he runs out of words, he uses a really unnatural word like a bore. You know, mm. it, like it's natural language, and then he uses a word like a bore, which would not be the word he would be using but yeah but i mean in in response to that if you take any i mean he would have been 18 writing these any 18 year olds poems they're going to be shit and lovelorn and you know there's going to be an amount of cringe to it right well if you look at yeah you know 
a song you wrote back in the day is not going to be as good compared to what you think is a song now. So these guys were like on a world stage at that age, putting all that stuff out. You know, you had to put out the crap to millions. So I forgive them for having some corny lyrics, I suppose. I mean, even you think about, you know, you want, you know, the Beatles, right? Early days was she loves you and I want to hold your hand and real simple mm-hmm. stuff when they were that was when they were in the early 20s, you know? And and then they moved on later when they were well, probably only just cracking 30, the Beatles when they broke up, but that's when something and you know, all the real lyrical shit hit the fan, as they say, and it got real good. So but in saying that, if you take they're Daniel charging Jones, full price for an album, though, aren't they? They're not charging kitty prices. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but Daniel Johns, I will admit, the further into Silverchair you go, the worse the lyrics and singing style goes. So for me, albums one, two, three, so Frog Stomp, Freak Show, Neon Ballroom, I dig them all. I think they'd they'd, they'd be. So, yeah, they're all classic albums for me. And then Diorama, which came after, which is often voted the their best album, I call horseshit on that because it's real like it goes Broadway almost. Have you ever heard that album? It's next level. Yeah, yeah next level twee might be the right word. I don't know. But that was, you know, how any band develops. You know, every band wants to be, you know, go through their different phases and become better and better. I think Silverchair had their best days when it was three guys making noise and then they went full orchestral and and harps and flutes and it just, it lost yeah. me there. It's listening to this album, I listen to it nearly every day all week and a couple of times on a couple of days and um I was ready to go hammer and tongs on this album and just attack it. <laughs> but um, I watched the making of the studio album, making of the mm. album. It's about 25 minutes on YouTube there. They seem like lovely boys in such mm. a strange situation with all the pressure. And they just seem like, lovely, you know, nice guys just doing their thing. And it melts the heart. You're like, oh, isn't it nice? And you forget how young they are. From mm. his voice, you can't really tell how young he is, you know. Um, they're babies yeah. in this. They were babies. And yeah. um, melted my little heart a bit. But, um, yeah, <laughs> judging it as an album. The thing I find is it feels like maybe when they started off, they didn't have that much musical theory and ability. And somewhere along the line, they decided we got to get good at this. And so they learned their musical theory. And mm. I can hear diminished chords and augmented chords, and I can hear uh, borrowed chords from parallel keys and all sorts of real music, songwriting stuff, mm. more complex stuff. But I feel it's overused to compensate and to... Um, like the song goes together, it's got all this technical stuff, but it's not a great song. And then they've brought in orchestras to just fill in every blank spot. Yeah, sure. And kind of overstuff it. 
Yeah, I wonder what the record would be like if it was just they took those same songs and just did it like they used to, you know, a couple of overdub guitars, bass and drums, whether it would still work or whether it needs all the orchestra. Like emotion sickness, I think, needs the orchestra. It's, that's the punch, you know, like it rips into it. Um, that feels like the most natural flowing song. Yeah. Uh, anthem for the year 2000 should just be, you know, grunge production simple even anna's song could be a you know think of it like a nirvana's poly or you know something you know real simple um almost poorly recorded would sound good and then all the other tracks you know as you say when it goes as as the album sort of carries on and loses a lot of its momentum those tracks might have benefited from just a bit more rawness you know even in the in the in the vocals it's almost too polished it gets very melancholy colony melancholy you know what i'm saying yeah <laughs> it, it really yes. feels like you're reading the diary of a 13 year old girl who's yeah. who, who's texting mean tweets about capitalism on a thousand dollar phone and drinking Starbucks. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think this was his last. You know, I think every band gets their last when they're, when they're in it album, you know, before they become rich fat cats and can no longer relate to the people that are buying their albums. You know, like, um, you know, take any, any grunge band, I'll throw Pearl Jam at you, who... Their early albums are great because they've got a fire in their belly because they've got no money and music's everything. And then I've got $400 million in the bank and I've got to sing about, you know, having dirty shoes or something. <laughs> it just doesn't, doesn't relate. And I think for Silverchair, their first two albums, they were 14 and 16. And then on this one, you know, they're 18, 19. It's still their reality. Obviously, he's singing about, for the most part, his fucking eating disorder is almost the entire album and the ups and downs of what fame brought this kid. And so it's still legit. And then after it, you know, beyond that, he goes down this, like I said, you know, diorama is a bit too, I'm a musician now and I'm going to do this with Dick Van Parks from, you know, who worked with the Beach Boys. And it just doesn't. Yeah, and now he's a, I don't know where he's gone now. He's got tattoos all over his face and neck and doing hip-hop albums, I think. So. Does he? Yeah. Daniel Johns. Yeah. He said he, uh, he hated music when he was writing this. It feels like he hates music. <laughs> I <don't> listen to it. <laughs> well, I'd like, what I'd struggle with is being him is, you know, you take, take any recording you did when you were 14, right, and put that on a world stage. And millions of people listen to it and love it. But when you go and listen to it, all you're hearing is a little 14-year-old you, and it would be horrible to listen to. And so to have to keep, I mean, I guess it's made you millions of dollars, so maybe it's a bit <laughs> different. But you know how cringy looking back at your old stuff can be? Everything I've done is magical, Brad. Oh, sorry. Yeah. It's the um, world's plug, fault I'm not a plug, huge success. Plug well hard. Can you find that on Spotify anymore? <laughs> I don't think it was ever on Spotify. <laughs> oh, 
every song more genius than the next. I don't a know. How masterpiece I in the masterpieces. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Mm. But the on ballroom. They they got you, David Health got on here to play. Again, remember that movie Shine? Sick. Shine, yeah. They, he's like I can't remember what was wrong with him, but there's something wrong with him. He's a pianist, right? Yeah, yeah, and he plays on it. Had him in the studio hugging everybody and sniffing everyone and giving them kisses. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Uh that's that's kind of like the whole album almost in one song. They could have just made a pretty sweet six song EP and gone, great, now we're going on a hiatus and then come back at it. But they kind of I don't know, maybe they were trying to get out of a record deal or something. I think they were, eh? They were with um Sony Music and after this one they bailed and went with Atlantic or something. Their song Spawn Again was written for the Spawn soundtrack. It didn't get on the mm. Spawn soundtrack. They did it. Yeah, it's just called, um, I think it's called Spawn, but it's like remixed with a, it's a hip-hop collaboration. Uh, so I had the Spawn mm. soundtrack. I remember loving that album. It was great. Ah, you love Silverchair. I love I love Marilyn Manson. They had a great track on that. Long, long, the Long Hard Road Out of Hell. That was amazing. Never heard it. Brilliant song. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just didn't recognize the song from it. It's been a while. Oh, I think it's, it's, they re recorded it or something. It's completely different. I think on that album, it was almost like a techno rock thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, would you, after listening to this album for this, put it on again in the future? Or are you like, no, I'd never listen with- to this again. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of like with me and Mr. Bungle. Perfect. Uh, skippability. Let's get on to that. How many tracks would you skip? I got emotion sickness is borderline. Anthem mm. for the year 2000, decent. And then every other song I've put fil- filler. <laughs> All right. Well, before my list goes down, like if I, if I'm again, if I'm on the lawns and I put this on, I'm going to listen, like start at the start. I love emotion sickness. I think that's a fucking banger of a song. Same with Anna's song, classics. Born again, I go, eh, but I'm not going to reach for the skip button. Miss you love. It's good. And then you're right. Like from there, it's a pretty, you got five tracks, which I think again that solid EP, and then a lot of meh. So from six to twelve, you know, um, I'll leave them on and listen to them if I'm in a silver chair mood. But I'm not like, yeah, they're not complete bangers, are they? So I would be brutal. I'll probably only give this. A, uh, I'm skipping six of them. You know, that's a lot. That's half the album. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve songs. You're skipping Just, half of it. And again, and again, this is weird, right? Because this is an album that I class as being being part of what makes up Little Brad, right? This is like a big album. But then I'm, I'm skipping six of the songs, you know? Six of the songs aren't really ripping. So hey, it is what it is. 
So you bought the album. It was a lot of money to you at the time, and you decided just to keep listening to it. No, nah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I I can't remember. I can't remember purchasing it. I don't remember like seeing it on the shelf or where I got it from. I'm trying to think, like, did I pour over the the cover or the liner notes? I don't don't imagine I did. I remember doing that for Freak Show. That was a pretty sweet little album uh, package. But no. Nah. The memories on this one. I remember just looking at um, Rolling Stone magazine, like the Australian version. They were all, you know, they're going to be on the cover, and they had a big article. And I was, I remember reading that, being, "Oh yes, Daniel Johns, here we go." But he was so fucking skinny. He was like a little twig boy, he wasn't like he? a vampire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's all white, I wonder if- sunken cheeks. And- Do you think he'd sparkle if he stood in the sun? Oh, no doubt. He's a beautiful man. Beautiful man. <laughs> beautiful man. Uh, yeah, look, uh, I'd, I'd still rate it. Well, well, well produced. Everything sounds solid. Guitars sound meaty. Drums sound meaty. Bass is there. Um, but yeah, I just think that those end tracks, those six that I'm bailing on, if they were just less produced and a bit rough around the edges, I think I'd be all right with it. Is it when you, when you listen to this? Did you think, oh, it's kind of they're running out of steam, or were you still holding on to the silver chair dream at the time? You're like, oh, yeah, was I thinking, album. yeah, I was I was thinking the steam will rise, or are they running out of steam? <laughs> so poetic. Uh, no, I mean, I... the imagery that evokes it makes me think of <laughs> almost nothing. <laughs> makes you think of a cup of tea, kettles boiling. <laughs> it's a pretty. I... Patu into an yeah. album, isn't it? Like, oh, absolutely. Yep. I, it, it's, it, it's a song, Steam Will Rise, when I listen to it as a closer, it needs to build and go somewhere. And you feel there's that section in the song in the middle where you feel, yeah, this is going to build. Down, 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 down. And they're going somewhere. And then it just goes, bloop, and drops back down to Steam Will Rise. And it's gone. You know, like it, it could have been. You know, like a like a ten minutes worth of solos, like Pink Floyd that shit up or something, and they didn't. That's what it needed. Um, I forgot my point. Yep, neon ballroom. It's it's a flickering light above a bar, and you might be enticed in, but you might not want to stay in the bar for very long. I was I was looking at other people giving this reviews, and it's all really. I love this album. I kind of feel like maybe people loved it at the time but haven't listened to it mm. in a while, and if they went back, they'd be like, uh, it was a product of the moment maybe for a lot of people. Oh, I, I 100% agree with what you've just said then because talking about it to this, I'm like, I've always rated this album super high, it's great, and then now talking about it, I'm like, yeah, but it's only six out of 12 songs. But it is... <laughs> Like, end of high school, any albums you were listening to in there, no matter how crap it was, are going to be part of your psyche, right? Yeah. I think they should put a trigger warning on Anthem for the year 2000. So remind people that this was written in 1999 and people didn't implicitly trust everything the government said then. 
and and they didn't we trust wor- mega corporations. Like we were cavemen back then. We didn't know what we're talking mm-hmm. about. We were worried about the calendars changing on computers and everything <laughs> stopping. We were cavemen. <laughs> uh, so cats meows. What do you reckon? Uh out of ten. Look, I look. I give it a seven or an eight. Maybe like a seven and a scratch, eight and a scratch. So it's like eight, but not quite eight. You know what I mean? Seven and a scr- half of it you would throw out, and you're still going to give it an above yep. average rating again because because of that nostalgia um, <laughs> connection. Doing it is it Daniel Johns's dreamy blue eyes? Are they blue? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. His vampire shininess, you're going to give it a couple extra points. Yeah, that's right. And I think that's just out of me being stubborn, not accepting um, that an album that I liked from my teen years is not any good anymore. <laughs> uh, for me, I was going to give it one cat's meow out of 10. Oh, but having watched the documentary and they seem like nice, nice boys, two cat's meows. Oh, excellent. Uh, I feel like the cat just walked in, threw up on the carpet, and walked out again. <laughs> That's what this album is to me. <laughs> One day we'll find an album that we both like. Uh, we kind of like the One shins. Day. We agreed on the shins. Yeah, we did. Well, well, we were mediocre about the shins. Did we really? We were like 10 out of 10, both of us. I think we were like, it didn't suck. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. Hey, that's that's a great review. It's pretty good. It's not good enough. Slow and steady wins the race. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. nothing to complain about, but nothing too amazing, but nothing to complain about. Yeah. 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 Oh well. Sweet. Until next time. Keep on okay. trucking. Thanks for listening to Pointless and Confused. We believe there's a little thing where you can send a tip if you yep. want we have no idea us. how it works we need cash yeah for whores and Vegemite yeah and what good day no oh, I'm right. tell them the other thing oh what was the other thing subscription um, oh look you could you could subscribe if you want to if you want to hear the sound of our sweet sweet voices in your ear whenever a new episode drops you'll be the first to know yeah, we're not sure how you do that either, but you'll figure it uh, out. Wow, we're new to this. Come on, you guys. <laughs>